Welcome to the Disco Posse Podcast. Thanks for listening. If you're looking for the GC on demand, then you found the freshly rebranded Disco Posse Podcast. Go to discopossepodcast.com for details. everyone to the Disco Posse podcast. My name is Eric Wright. I'm going to be your host today. Don't forget to keep following along. You can go to discopossepodcast.com, get show notes, links, and more. You can subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. And with that, let's get started. All right. Well, welcome everybody to the GC On Demand podcast. Uh, my name is Eric Wright. I am at Disco Posse on Twitter. I am Disco Posse in the Green Circle community. And uh, once again, you know, we've we've got so many great voices in the community, uh, in technology, and I'm very pleased to, to have someone uh, on the podcast today described uh, very nicely as someone who strives to simplify the technically complex and advocate thinking outside the box. You've probably seen his writing and, and his voice on many things. Uh, he's blogged under many different monikers, but luckily he's easy to find now because you can find him at vonstewart.com. He's an author, contributing author, a community champion, uh, and, and a great voice for the community and for technology. Uh, with that, I want to welcome uh, Vaughn Stewart. Eric, I, I couldn't be happier to, to be on the podcast. It's nice to, to uh, talk again. It's, uh, it's been a couple of months. Yeah, it's it's one of these these things that everybody gets into such emotion, especially as you know. I call it conference season. Although conference season used to be, you know, like television seasons used to run for six months, and then you would just get reruns for the rest of the year. But now I think conference season is is like on demand. It's continuously going, so it's a little bit harder to kind of reconnect with folks uh, along the way. Yeah, yeah. Supporting conferences, I think, is a full time job. Uh, it, from from even just the uh, the folks that have to deliver the content, um, let alone those who are the, the planners and, and take care of all the logistics, it's uh, conferences like the, the new like sub um, sub element within the IT industry. Yeah, I you never realize what goes into it until you until you start to go like a, you know, and I remembered you know early opportunities to to see you speak uh you know back back in the day they say you know saw you on some vmworld panels i remember getting up and asking a question uh and it was like and then like a day later sort of seeing you on the street and it's that weird thing of you know uh, i always talk it like you know like the rock star movie moment where you're like you're the guy in the audience and then and you're singing along with it and then the, someone hands you the microphone so it's it's really cool to have an opportunity to to kind of be among your peer group and and share and help to spread your your voice, you know. And talking about voice, one of the things and we talked a little bit before, and and I like to describe what you do as being a great voice for community and for technology. And you've worked in the vendor space for a while. And what's neat about it is, I like people that are great strong voices and being able to advocate and evangelize and and do this. But also, you know, beautifully represent your your vendor company that supports you, but yet stay true to 
the value of technology and where the industry is going. Like how how did you get started? Let's talk about you in the in the industry and and kind of how did you end up where you're at today? Sure. So um, so for for your listeners who who maybe aren't aware of just a bit of background. So I'm I'm at Pure Storage. I'm, I'm a vice president and enterprise architect, which means I help lead the enterprise SEs uh, in terms of engaging some of our largest customers and uh, speaking not just through our, our product portfolio, but um, helping advise them in terms of what's possible when you combine our products with their business models or other technologies. And, and that can be you know, a very technical conversation, a very nuanced, but but probably more important, a, a very much of a trusted advisor and and and, and guidance focused role. Um, prior to that, I spent 13 years in change at NetApp and in various roles. Uh, the early years were in the field. The latter half of the years, um, I had a role, uh, particularly the last half, um, of helping to influence the the, the direction of of what NetApp brought to market with VMware integrations. Um, and that expanded to be uh, some guidance on the cloud uh, cloud strategy. I'd say I had huge success with what I did with um, in the VMware space, and, and probably wasn't as effective with um, uh, shaping their, their cloud model. And that probably led to me eventually deciding to to move on. But um, I think I've had the privilege with with both my time at Pure Storage and at NetApp. Um, I've had the, the luxury of of being able to work. Behind technologies that that during their moments that I was there, they didn't just deliver on their promise; they they exceeded uh, what they could bring to market. And I think from a technologist, anyone who's ever worked in the market, there's you realize there's always going to be be gaps between your product and, and and customers' expectations or what your product can do versus say an alternative option or a competitive option. And um, I find great reward in in just knowing that your your product is is making the bulk of your customers ecstatic. It's it's very rewarding. I, I would I let me put it in a different way. I loathe when you have to tap dance and spin on a product that's been overpromised and is under delivering. <laughs> Amen to that. Yeah, yeah. I use a phrase that I love: trusted advisor. Like that's a that's a huge part of you know reputation. Yeah, they always say like your reputation precedes you, and it does. And it also stays behind when when you walk out of a meeting, when you walk out of a conference or a customer, you know, opportunity. It's yeah, being a trusted advisor is part of the voice. How do you how do you create trust? You know, as a technologist and and as a voice of a of a vendor. What's what are some kind of things that you look for to help to not just close the deal, but truthfully create a, a trust situation and and help to build relationships. So that's a great point. Um, and so kind of off the top of my head here, I think there's kind of three pillars, and if this fragments from three into to 12, <laughs> let me know. But, uh, I think first and foremost, um, I think customers have a, an affinity uh, for genuine conversations. And that's hard, right? You, you work for a vendor and, and you – get trained on your product and you get this internal hype and you're told to be excited and you're excited when you take it to a customer. And um, I think you need to realize if you work, work for a vendor, um, the vendor, the customer sees excited vendors all day long. And and you walk in the door, um, unless you have an established relationship with a customer where, where you've already built that trust, you're no different than any other vendor. And so I think, you know, share your product and share your passion. Um, you know, do so in a way that's 
um, uh, I think, realistic to understand what the customer's needs are. Do so in a way that doesn't trash uh, your competitors. You know, focus on what you do well. Your customer will tell you, you know, what they do or don't like about the competition. You don't, you don't need to, you know, to go in there and, and appear that you're just looking to, to um, sell your product. You know, go in with a focus that you're trying to help your customer solve their problem. Um, and the customer's going to thank you whether they, they purchase your, your product or not if, if they uh, deem that you're, you're in it for their interests. Um, so that would, be, that would be one, which is, you know, to like, you know, you know balance your enthusiasm with, with, you know, a focus on the customer and the customer's goals. Um, I think second, uh, if you're an infrastructure player, Understand that usually, and, and that's the space that I'm, I, I focus on, right? So this may not apply to all vendors. If you're in the infrastructure space, understand that your product, um, for all the great capabilities it provides, usually can't do that and can't deliver anything in a vacuum. And and that's the reality that the customer tend to work with, within. So what I would advise is is um, you know continue to develop your skill set uh, above and around your product. So that you are in the best sit preparedness or prepared for a situation when you meet a customer to talk about how your product does work in advancing um, the ball or moving the needle, whatever term you want to use. You know, but you want to you want to have impact with whatever the customer's goals are, and you want to be able to speak to how your product can work there. Um, so expand your knowledge base, and if it's not you, then then grab somebody within your organization who can. Um, help you know the, the customer combine your technology with another and understand what the results are. Um, I think third, um, you know, in that same vein, is is if you're um, educated yourself, you should be able to understand where your product works really well and go seek those opportunities. And and when you have questions whether your product will work, you may want to reconsider, how, you know, how aggressive you push with that customer or even bow out. Of their requests, there is nothing worse to your um, your desire to build a trusted relationship status than you know selling a square peg when the customer really needed a round hole. Uh, that's the right analogy, but you know, sell, selling a, a screwdriver when the customer needed a, a you know a socket wrench. Is yeah, maybe yeah. a better better analogy there. Um, that's you know that's it. I mean. Some of the greatest praise I've ever had for customers is, is followed, you know, just a long run of success. And you can you can really do a lot of damage when you know um, you, you didn't dot your eyes and cross your t's in in order to to help them have success. Yeah, success isn't isn't getting it, you know, into the into a data center. Success is is keeping it in a data center and and having it continue to be used, just like anything. You know, the I always tell people with whatever solution they're looking for. You've got to know why any vendor solution or whatever it is, you've got to know why it is is not appropriate as much as why it's appropriate. And see, so, you know, like you said, it's the old, you know, if if all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail kind of <laughs> of thing. You know, people say like, oh, well, our our thing can do everything. I've been told that. I've my my sales VP made sure that I know that <laughs> it can do everything. You're like, well, let's let's just. Hold tight there before you go and and overpromise and and that definitely carves into trust. Yeah, and, and let's be clear, we're we're not, we're not this these comments by no means are, are meant to be um, construed as, as as negative on the industries that we work within. Uh, the reality is, is when you work in, a, in an in, as an innovative industry as being an IT vendor, um, 
you can get overwhelmed with the wow factor that, that your products and, and everything else that's occurring in the industry you know, bring to bear. And it's really easy to get caught up in that, that wow factor and want to then you know, interface with the customer and just you know, share <laughs> your enthusiasm and your excitement. And what you have to realize is that most of our customers aren't in the IT industry. They want they want the results of your technology. <laughs> yeah. Not necessarily, you know, um, they can't always connect the dots between the, the, the details of the elements that comprise your technology with, with business results. And another thing that you, what I find builds trust, and, and you touched on it a bunch there, is, is the idea that you're not there to trash your competitors. You're not there, like, everybody's... No matter what it is, what business you're in, you know, our space happens to be IT vendors. But yeah, and I remember Chris Wall is a, a, a friend uh, and and he's a great, you know, similar mindset of like, hey, let's just let's just answer customer business challenges. Like, let's just solve their problems and hopefully our technology works in that. And he he was asked at Tech Field Day, someone said, well, how does this compare to another you know vendor that's kind of in the same space? And he gave the greatest answer, which was if if they were here you should probably ask them and i'd encourage you to ask them like i'm i don't know them nor could i represent their stuff and like and that was really cool it was very honest because you know we were often walked into that conversation especially when you're in like sales right you people say like well, how are you different than a competitive vendor and a salesperson is of course inclined to say well they're they're awful here's here's why they're awful <laughs> and but you've got a very different voice because you're so outward, you're technical and, you know, yeah, we want to be representative of, of customer challenges, not of necessarily yeah. vendor products. Right. Well, I, I, th I think if, if you're a technologist, you know, listen to this podcast, right. Um, I think the recommendation that I would give is, is be, be deductive in the way that you communicate to your customers um, versus inductive. And what, what I mean by that is, um, I think if you have a technical role, role right, a common term in the industry, you know, systems engineer or, or whatever the, you know, whatever the, the title may, may or may not be, uh, may vary from vendor to vendor. But if your role is, is supporting the customer engagement and you have a technical uh, aspect, definitely keep your, your chops sharp and, and stay up to date. But when you engage with the customer, I, I find that you can help the customer if you give them the headline first followed by details and the longer the conversation goes the greater into details that you go where I watch some technologists is they open up with details and details and details and details and you can see the customer going like wow okay neat that's great but they're struggling on, on how does it get put together and you'll see this actually bubble up in the terms of the customer saying so that allows me to have this right the customer's trying to piece it together yeah. and I think your job is, is representing the vendors to give them hey you know we're gonna help you move the needle from X to Y and it's powered by this technology. And the customer will say, well, well, that's interesting, but tell me more, right? And that's them opening the door for you then to give the details. Um, I just think it's, a, it's an easier flow. It's an easier way to grasp. And realize that, you know, if customers meet with lots of vendors and they get lots of data points, they can only remember a few key things from each vendor. And so um, at, at any given engagement, right? And so you want to make sure that you nail your, your big data points and that those stick. Um, and this isn't meant to say that you don't share the nuances and the details. The, the, the more nuanced the conversation, the smaller the audience that's going to retain that detail uh, is likely to be. Yeah, it's if we take it outside to a, you know, if you were a, you're thinking about running and you go to someone and say, like, I'm thinking about running and they'll say, oh, would you like to, you know, run a 5K, a 10K, a marathon? 
if that's the right answer, let's dive into what your actual requirements are. But yeah, like you said, technologists would say, oh, well, the important thing when you're thinking, when you're doing a marathon is like your cadence is very important. You know, whatever your cadence is right now, is probably wrong. And like they immediately just dive into all the stuff and, and it's just, oh my God, stop, stop, stop. <laughs> yeah, can you run up and down the hallway a couple of times? I want to analyze your stride. <laughs> uh, so one of the things that we always see now is uh, the challenge of being original. You know, like everybody's got, you know, no one wants to be the ugly baby. No one wants to have an ugly baby, you know, in their technology and their solution, whatever. But we all have a lot of really beautiful babies out here. And there's, how do you, how do you differentiate things, you know, and, you know, talk about maybe how your customers, like, I find it challenging when you talk to people and they say, like, I, I've got too much choice now. It becomes more difficult to architect a solution when there's you get this sort of analysis paralysis of too many technology offerings what do you how do you think customers can can get better and and at you know learning uh, what's out there and and how can we as technologists be better at showing them the door a bit yeah you know it's it's that's a really good question um, the reality in in any industry um, is when a particular vendor or product takes a market lead, their message tends to get cannibalized by um, inferior or, or subsequent products. And sometimes I, I don't know how customers <laughs> make decisions, to be honest with you. And that's why I think it's so critical to uh, have effective communication and to become a trusted advisor, right? If you're, if you're an incumbent vendor, Right, it's always easy, right? Your message to customers is, is you know, you know, hey, maybe we're not innovating, but we're going to be there. We've got a long history and a long relationship, and and customers will buy into that. And, and conversely, when you are a a growing company, right, an an upstart like Pure Storage is, you know, that's probably our number one hurdle is, is customers choosing to do nothing and choosing to wait for um, their incumbent vendor to deliver for them, and and. This is where I think it's critical if you are a technologist to make sure that you know after you've you've identified what the customer's goals are and how your technology is a piece to that solution and advances the total solution or the goal of the solution is then to substantiate with the technology details that differentiate um, and, and and again you're you're better off you know finding you know uh, you know pursuing. Uh, five details out of or five deals out of ten where you're going to have high success because then you can have really easy repeat and build on your success versus pursuing ten out of ten where if one goes sideways, you know it's it's going to suck all your time and all your effort to support that one fire drill. Um, so so my guidance on that, and again I, I'm getting long-winded on all of this, is um, you know the market's going to sound like a bunch of parrots. Uh, that's what success uh, begets. And um, you know, as great as your technology is, is is you've got to as technologists be be clear, um, concise, and it also doesn't hurt if you have fantastic marketing. You know, the good marketing companies will continue to push the envelope. Uh, the ones that come to market with the new messages first probably have something going on with their technology. Um, that doesn't mean that some some great technologies don't die because of poor marketing, but the reality. <laughs> Today's market, you've got to you've got to have sales execution, product, and marketing. Yeah, when and 
technology isn't doesn't define the success of a company too, right? So uh, a great tech, we've seen it over and over again, great technologies that the company that's wrapped around them just falters because they can't, the operating a business is different. And that includes marketing, sales, you know, executive leadership, all these different pieces, right? And, you know, having come out of a big company like NetApp and seen its growth over the years, people were always like, oh yeah, look at NetApp, they're this giant dinosaur. But guess what? You know, they're, they're still going and they're, and they're going to reinvent themselves in interesting ways. You know, pure storage, so, you know, I'm excited by seeing how Pure Storage has grown as a company as much as the technology. And, and that's been interesting to watch. Like, how how was it for you to be a part of, you know, probably you were like employee, small number, you know, and now you've probably grown quite a bit since then. Yeah. So, so just to kind of set the expectation, right, I, I joined NetApp and there was roughly 900 employees and we grew up to 15,000. Wow. Um, and they've declined. Uh, you know, since since then, uh, and since my departure, no correlation, mind you, but um, and joined Pure, uh, uh, you know, sub 200 employees, and and you know now in excess of 1,700 employees, and and that's just in the span of basically 30 months. Um, and w what I try to share with a lot of folks at Pure uh, while we go through this this hyper growth phase is um, there's going to be different phases of the company. We are going to continually shift and we're going to shift at a pace faster than um, our predecessors, right? I, I got to go through the different phases with NetApp and NetApp was always, you know, recognized as a huge success story yeah. uh, in terms of the rate of growth within the IT industry. And and we are, we are rapidly eclipsing that at, at Pure and so it compresses time. Um, if you think about the rate at which we hire employees, you basically have to look at your job today and say, how am I going to work myself out of this job? Because my job is going to require two or three people in 12 months' time. And so, um, you know, you've got a balance between, you know, tactical execution and moving fast uh, without, you know, um, burdening yourself and, and building some structure that, that, you know, isn't not going to scale. Um, you know, so case in point here, and I'm, and I'm going to pivot here a, a bit, and not to make it um, too vendor pitchy, but, uh, you know, I would be regressive if I didn't mention it, right? So last this week we had our, our, our first ever user conference accelerate up in San Francisco. And, and you know, realize Pure's five years old. And we just had our first user conference. We had fifteen hundred attendees, you know, with senior executives, you know, on stage from Arista and Cisco, VMware and Google and, and numerous enter, uh, entrepreneurs that spanned, you know, the sports, gaming and entertainment industries. Um, uh, a number of customers that were just, you know, sharing their case studies, I think, in excess of 40, right? And and, and I was blown away. I, and just, you know, NetApp's first user conference, you know, took a much longer time to get here. And this is not meant to be a negative piece, so, you know, maybe we want to strike that from this recording. But um, <laughs> to have that size conference at, at, at your five-year mark... Literally, my jaw was on the ground. I really <laughs> I was really afraid that we weren't going to have the turnout, that we weren't big enough. Yeah. Um, even for all the great success that we're having, and as much as our customers absolutely, you know, vote that they love us and that you know, in our net promoter scores, it's just yeah. honestly kudos, kudos to the to the events team and the marketing team at Pure. It is just fantastic. And and so the second element, I'm gonna I'm gonna continue on this accelerate theme. Um, so two things of, 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 of note, and, and 
Um, one is we launched a bunch of products, which we can talk about if, if you'd like. But um, before I talk about that, it, it was really interesting to watch where the attendees invested their time. Right? Obviously, the keynotes and the, you know, the hearing the perspective of, of uh, the vendors or the case studies of the customers always draw a crowd. But there was a significant investment in terms of, of bodies standing around booths at the new technology vendors. Yeah, and and so um, you know, VM Turbo was one of the one of the premier level sponsors, right? It was probably the the, the busiest booth there, right? You just saw this appetite for customers to want to consider new technology. Um, you know, in, in addition to VM Turbo, right? The the Rubric and the Cohesity booths were were really active, and again, I'm just you know, I don't have badge scan counts by any means, but just in walking the show the show floor, it there was always a crowd around the next generation vendor booths. It's really an exciting time to be amongst it. Like it's, I, I, you know, we, we always fear that there's going to be a financial bubble, that there's going to be a real estate bubble. And we talk about the tech bubble and I feel like it's different because, you know, the tech, the 2000, like the dot-com era bubble was just because the consumers weren't there to take it in and to, Maintain that, of course, and the, and the economy went. You know, it was it was horrific. You know, the way that the the turn went in in the general economy, and that obviously affected that. But now I find like this is such a huge opportunity for folks to come in, and and lots of startups are coming in. Like you said, there, you see a new startup at a at a show, and you've been like, oh, well, they'll be on you know reject row next year, and and then they'll be gone. And like, no, no, they're actually going to be platinum next year because that's it's a huge boom for for new opportunities and new technologies and new ways to consume you know technology as yeah, well. it, it, so this is funny so you and I were talking about this kind of prior to the to the podcast not in this direct fashion but we were kind of on an offshoot um, but, you know I, I listen you know like all of us right? I'm sure we listen to the industry podcasts and whatnot and and you know a topic that it's kind of recurring of, of late is this, you know, the tech bubble and all oh, this crash and all oh, the startups that won't make it. And and I don't find any value in the doom and gloom conversation. Um, and maybe it's because, you know, the, these positions are shared by uh, uh, folks who work for large incumbents, right? And that's, you know, what you hope happens or you hope that disruption doesn't come in uh, and uh, eat, your, eat your business model. Um, the reality is, is this disruption is always here. It's in, it's an in, IT, uh, particularly infrastructure technology, is a landscape of, of innovate or die. And um, I think there's this exciting time in the market. Yeah, maybe financing's tough. Yeah, not every vendor makes it. But what an exciting time in the overall market. And if you look at, at kind of a, my theory of what's occurring right now, what you're seeing in terms of products that are in the market right now or just on the cusp of coming to market, is this is kind of the post-VMware boom. And what I mean by that is, is VMware was such a massive disruption that it changed the engineering investments, the go-to-market plans for an entire industry. And they really the impact was really felt from 2007, say, through 2011. Um, that was probably where, where it was the most disruptive, right? Uh, regardless of what your company was going to do, they needed to, to make sure that they could participate in this changing IT landscape 
They wanted to see if they could use it as an opportunity to leverage to gain to gain share and 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 you know on that topic that's something that we had tremendous success back at my previous employer. Um, uh, you know, was one of one of those who came out on top with with that opportunity uh, in terms of growing share relative to and you know, before and, and after the boom. But um, as the VMware moved from a disruptive technology to uh, a market leader and you know go to market opportunities and, and joint um, innovative opportunities really kind of, of tapered down a bit um, as well as did the integration conversations and I mean technical integrations not just certified you know uh, validations um, you know it's it's allowed the rest of the IT industry and ecosystem to start to get back to investing in, in their visions and their directions or maybe increasing the investments in those spaces is a better way to phrase it. Yeah. And what you're seeing come to market right now is the boom of just fantastic technologies. And and they work with the VMware ecosystem and a lot of them exceed and, and go and support uh, broader uh, broader sets of, of uh, technologies. But um, what a great time to be in IT. I mean, Right, I'm, I'm in the flash space, right? The flash market's obviously, uh, obviously, booming, and 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 I'm sure someone will argue with this, but you know, disk is is absolutely on its way out. You know, the performance storage market ha has been eclipsed uh, with with flash, and, and the, the the gating factor on that was uh, price. You know, there's a lot of ways that you can look at new storage opportunities today. You know. Post-side caching, you know, um, you know, filter-level drivers in the hypervisor that talk to some flash tier, you know, hybrid storage, you know, hyper-converged. Look, you know, a lot of that innovation was spurned out of disk storage just being unbearable. Yeah. And and what prevented people from going to flash was cost. And now cost is is been neutralized. And now customers are having to you know evaluate flash platforms based on on different values, but pivoting from storage, right? If you look at the things that are happening in terms of network fabrics, the level of intelligence, right? So, you know, brocade with, um, you know, uh, their whole like peer zoning element, right? Where where storage devices are put into the fabric as principals and hosts are peers and peers can see the principal but can't see one another. And as you zone storage from the array and, and usually that, that zoning or, or LUN masking, I should say, LUN masking, uh, which is when you are assigning storage devices to hosts from an array and usually through some plugin, so you may be doing it natively just inside, say, VMware. Yep. It actually builds the zoning or the, the the traffic rules within the fiber channel fabric. I mean, you know, we're, we're, we're seeing technologies like this where, where, you know, you're getting this pluggable, you know, machine learning-based infrastructure technologies kind of come to bear. And, and it's amazing. And when I pivot over to, like, the VM Turbo and the, the, the notion of, of of how do I optimize um, this environment based on, on service levels and policies, and how do the policies learn and adapt based not only on hardware resources but the requests made on these resources? It's just, yeah, it's fantastic technology, and and um, unfortunately, you know, for the customer, there's there's so many choices out there right now. I don't I don't know how they how they clearly identify um, what's innovation and and what's not, but uh, that's our job to figure out. Yeah, it I and the the idea that the API I remember like for years, you know, I've kind of pitched the idea that everybody I would talk to would say like, "Well, do you have a do you have a, an externally exposed RESTful API so that I can consume your service?" And the I didn't I didn't ask it because I wanted to, you know, 
curl some bizarro URL and, and render some commands, you know, when I probably going to do it through their interface. But what I wanted to know was interoperability down the road. And that's become the de facto standard, right? Like that idea of like zoning, everything's automated. It's because it's loosely coupled, API driven. That's the new normal, right? And if you don't have that capability, all of a sudden it's making sense to people like, oh, oh, okay, now I get why APIs are are important because it's not that you as a customer are going to be consuming it that way, but the other products you use are going to consume it that way. And if it doesn't have that, then it's you know tightly coupled and and rigid, terrifying you know infrastructure to have in place when you know that it's just not upgrade friendly at all. Right, right. So one yeah, of the things I want to ask you, Vaughn, is you know you've covered a lot and you've always been you know kind of looked ahead, and and I, and I love that that ability that you know saying you know flashes flash forward. I'm I'm looking ahead and I and I see the future, you know, and and everybody's kind of like had to pick the thing that they knew that they they said this is it, you know, I believe. And it's it's tough. Sometimes you don't have believers early on. You know, how how do you how do you look for what's next? What's the like what resources do you go to? Do you, is a lot of it anecdotal? How do you kind of know what's coming? Uh, I appreciate the the, the compliment. Um I don't know how to, to, to make this a, a, a pragmatic term. Um, sometimes I get to my conclusions and then struggle with explaining how I, how I got there. Um, uh, but I, I think um, it's likely the, the, the greatest um, investment that anyone can make in trying to be better on their insight is, is to look at um, any new technology and, and apply a filter of, of how much of an advancement or gain is this technology likely to provide for me? Because um, if it's incremental, if it's 10%, 20, 30, 50, it's probably not worth the investment. And I know some folks are going to argue with that. My point to this is, is the the technologies that that move the needle, you know, make a 10x improvement in something. If if you if you're um, trying to pitch something to a, a venture capitalist in, in the valley, no one wants to invest in, in, in incremental gains. Those products tend to have short lives. They want customers that are going to make tenfold leaps in, in in what's possible. So, from that perspective, is apply a, a healthy skeptical filter to the technology that you look at. Um, if you want to take it to the next level, I would highly, highly advocate that um, uh, you participate in investor analyst conferences and, and that gives you an insight to where the money is being invested um, uh, and gives you foresight to what's likely either you know emerging or, or soon to be coming to market uh, from the venture capital space um, and even within the investor analyst communities right you can get a sense for who's you know uh, who's delivering even though they may be small in size versus who's struggling um, or even reach out to some of the venture capitalists directly themselves. I know Greylock, for example, Greylock Partners um, has a service where they allow um, uh, individuals and organizations to come to their facilities and you meet a number of their investments and you get a sense for, for um, you know, what's maybe not ready for prime time, but allows you to begin to plan for maybe what's possible. Um, 
I think that's a great way to, in a very pragmatic way, those last two points of, of getting some insight in which way that the, the industry is going. I think yeah, for, you're going to look at anyone, look at the portfolio of the people that have succeeded thus far, and odds are yeah, they're, they're the ones that you want to help you through that next portion of the, you know, the visibility into the next generation. Yeah, and, 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 and so, you know, with that, to, you know, to kind of put, you know, um, in, apologies in advance here because I want, to, I want to give this back, but, you know, to, to kind of put that into perspective, so if you look at, like, the products that we announced at Accelerate this week, right? So we did a bunch of product launches, and and highlighting all of it was FlashBlade, which was, um, you know, a cloud scale all flash data platform for tier two storage, right? This is taking Flash and and into an area that I've been um, forecasting this direction, you know, for a couple of years, which is this is taking Flash into the 7200 RPM SATA, you know, drive market and doing it in a way that doesn't include SSDs, right? There's no SSDs. It's a, it's a, it's a blade chassis architecture. Um, uh, you know, each blade has NVRAM and DRAM and, and CPUs and, and NAND flash chips directly on it. And that's, it's, you know, coupled together with a, you know, a 40 gig, you know, SDN, you know, network fabric for, for cross blade communications and translates, you know, you know, incoming requests to the, you know, from host to the backend storage. Um, but also, you know, involves a distributed operating system that we call the Elasticity OS. I mean, this product is going to allow uh, new new opportunities in the NAS space. And, and NAS, just to set the table for you, for folks, NAS an object, but NAS either kind of comes in two flavors. There's like home directories, which everyone has. Yeah. And, and we're not targeting that spot first. And then there's engineering data sets. And in that engineering data set, you know, the jobs are measured by, by wall clock time, right? Whether you're doing CPU simulation, you're doing CAD-CAM product engineering development, or you're doing bioengineering and research, you know, how many iterations can you run, you know, in a given day directly translates to the time for you to be able to innovate, find a cure, bring a product to market. And, and, um, and, and the fact that, that in four rack units, a customer can have 1.6 petabytes of usable storage at a price point that's less than a dollar a gigabyte, consumes less power than a than a hair dryer, and oh, can just be connected to to additional 4U flash blades to scale out. Um, I mean, it's it's game changing. And in time, we'll move into the the file share space, and and you know, and maybe even you know, you know, data at rest storage, and, and and in that space where you say, well, I don't need that performance. The, the, the density from a data center, you know, the, the, the green aspect from uh, data center efficiencies, you know, the density, the low power draw, you know, that's huge value, huge, huge, huge. Um, it, that's, that's what I would call, you know, a game-changing technology. And, of course, you know, let's see how it does in market. And, the fut- you know, the future will write the success, rather, you know, regardless of how well or how excited we are about the product. Um, but show me something else like this that's in the industry. You know, there's there's nothing there, and it solves real problems, right? It, we had a we had customers on stage at Accelerate talk about you know their average development life cycle for a product is five years, and everything's sunk in cost until you come to market. And they said with 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 Flashblade, they can reduce that time by a year to two years. Think about what that means, right? And again, we're in IT. But we're not an IT for IT sakes. We're an IT to, to power 
the business that our employees uh, yeah. that are no, in. Technology for technology's sake is is the is not the right technology, right? <laughs> right. So so um, it's a again, we kind of talked about this ten minutes ago. It's an exciting time to be in IT. It really is. It's uh, and and it's good, you know. And congratulations to you and the team and everybody on on delivering both, you know, a great conference in general. Uh, looked like it got great reception, uh, and as well, obviously, you know, a huge, huge number of of product releases and and seeing that execution. It's it's exciting to watch it from the outside and and you know get to to watch people in the market, you know, take it in and and like you said, we'll we'll see. The beauty part is. You know, in a few months, we can, you know, we can talk again. I'm sure there'll be much more releases and, and it'll be fun to go back and kind of, you know, check the bar and see where we measured along the way. Yeah, and I thank you for allowing me to kind of touch base on Accelerate Flashblade. I mean, by no means is this meant to be a commercial. I mean, folks know how to get to purestorage.com or my blog for more info. It's not. <laughs> so the... Not tuning in here for for a pitch. That's all right. We'll we'll sneak in that there's a there's a gift if you hear the if you hear the the phrase that pays. Then, <laughs> yeah. um, so one thing before we close up, I I always love to ask people, you know, about resources, learning resources and whatnot, and and the most common thing I ask like what's what's the what's the book on Vaughn's shelf that's the must read book. What what would you recommend to people you know in your role or or you know just technologists in general? <laughs> so, so I have I have three books right in front of me that are my 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 current reads, and uh, this may not be what you're asking for. I am very I I consume a a ton of of information uh, through various formats. A lot of books, a lot of audio books. Um, uh, if it's things that I need to know, I tend to read. If it's things that tend to entertain me, I tend to listen. But um, so in front of me are, are three books. Um, the first one is um, Star Wars: The Adventures of Luke Skywalker, Jedi Knight. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Which is something that I'm um, I'm I'm reading with the family. Um, the second is a, a Choose Your Own Mis- Misery book, kind of like the spin-off of the old Choose Your Own Adventure uh, books that we had as as a kid, uh, called The Office Adventure. That uh, it is talking about the you know the it puts you in the position of you know endless choices with you know with uh, some you know hilarious but, but uh, you know cringing realities. But the one that on a serious note that's uh, in front of me, it's actually in my my hand right now um, that I find a tremendous amount of value in is um, from the um, uh, Harvard Business Review's Ten Must Reads collection, uh, and it's called On Managing Yourself. Uh, oh, so yeah. it's a collection of, of, of APR articles. Um, uh, that I think, again, if you're a technologist, you may think, oh, that's business stuff, I'm not interested in this. And I would really advocate, you know, I think it's like a $6 Kindle download if you want it, an electronic version. It's very affordable. But, you know, it's, it's a collection of just great articles on forward thinking, right, and applying that thinking into to how you handle yourself. It's Those are the greatest ones I've found have advanced my technology career more than anything was was business books and so i'm i'm a hundred percent with you on on that and and again yeah that title is it sounds familiar to as like again you know sort of those top reads from a few folks that i've talked to and and the fun stuff is is there too i always tell people that they're like you know what what's your favorite you know books i'm like 
I cram in, you know, good old fashioned fiction, you know, and, you know, nonfiction crime serials, other things like you, you've got to, it's, it's neat to hear that. That could be the most fun set of books that I've had so far uh, from folks. I know Chris Wall had mentioned another like sort of a sci-fi, you know, book that he's also a huge consumer of information. So it's, it's neat oh, to yeah. see that, you know, it's not just like, well, feel free to read, you know, the company, the book that was written by my company. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, if you, if the the readers are, are, are interested in any recommendations, I mean, I, I don't think any book comes to mind. Uh, anything that I read in the last year comes to mind um, as, as being more rewarding than maybe The Martian by Andy Weir. Ah, uh, yes. That may have been last year. That might have been the year before. But um, I, I think engineers love it because it's 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 fiction that's just you know laid in 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 the reality of uh, of of science. Uh, you know, lots of physics and botany and and space travel. Um, I think if you want to go beyond that, a book that uh, I highly recommend to everyone and get it in print. And get the illustrated edition on top of it is Bill Bryson's A Short History of Nearly Everything. It's it's not a book about it's not a book it's not a science book. It's a book about the stories behind scientific discoveries, and it is fascinating, fascinating the human element because uh, uh, it exposes the human element in in, in these scientific discoveries, and, and from everything from you know you know. Um, you know how do how do we know what the the core of the earth is to you know how do how do we you know uh, uh, I'm struggling for my words here. I, we probably want to run edit that. But, yeah. <laughs> no worries. That's half the fun is, is watching people trip over it. <laughs> no, but agree. Yeah, that's... I, 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 I grasp for grasp for topics to share in the book. Um, just go to Amazon and read the review. I, I'm, if that book doesn't have four point eight stars, I I would be be surprised. Nice. And so it's Vaughan... a big talk. But, you know, again, thank you very much uh, for for coming on today. It, it's it's great to chat. I always enjoy getting an opportunity to talk. And uh, uh, where do folks find you online? Where how do how do they connect to you if they if they'd like to? My personal phone number is. Um, <laughs> uh, so look, I, I I'm on the Twitters uh, much more in read mode than share mode of of late, but that's at vstewed. Uh, V-S-T-E-W-E-D. Um, I've uh, dusted off the blog. I, I took about a year hiatus um, to kind of get, get uh, kind of some of my thoughts in order, um, which were very in line with kind of what we talked about here, which is, you know, what do you want to talk about, right, you know, versus, you know, just, you know, kind of getting in, in on the, the, the run of the mill messaging. And so my blog is at vaughnstewart.com, um, which, uh, but historically has been, you know, uh, virtualstorageguy.com and, and had some other spinoffs after joining Pure, but uh, we settled on bondstore.com once that domain popped. So uh, uh, hit up over there. I've, I've committed to my president to uh, start uh, sharing some thoughts on, on industry as well as some details around our products. So I uh, expect to see more there now. Very cool. And are there any other events that you're going to be at sort of in the coming weeks and months that people can uh, can come and see at as well? Yeah, so um, so some great great things are uh, coming up real soon uh, in April uh, in Austin. If you're going to be at the v- VMware uh, UserCon or the VMUG UserCon, uh, Pure Storage will be there. Uh, Rawlinson Rivera uh, from the CTO office at VMware. Rawlinson and I are going to be doing a joint keynote talking about technology trends and futures. Um, we were making a point to trying to uh, pivot away from product and actually kind of uh, give some some perspective on where we think 
um, the industry is going and, and some technologies that maybe um, some customers should start to look at now. Um, so that's in August. I think that's August 7th or August, April, April 7th, uh, April 2016. Uh, as well as um, I think I just got uh, volunteered to attend the OpenStack Summit again in Austin, Texas. And again, I, I believe in, in uh, April, but I think it's around the, the third week or so, if memory serves me correct. My apologies to the OpenStack Summit folks for not knowing the dates off the top of my head. No worries. You're um, in luck. I've got that one committed to memory. It is the it is the tail end uh, week of uh, of the month there. It's the last week of, of April, right before Interop and EMC World. So uh, I'll be there as well. And make sure you bring your running shoes because we do daily runs. So we do a 5K or three mile for my American friends. Uh, run every morning. <laughs> So I expect to hopefully see you out on the on the roadway a little bit with me. Yeah, I've I've, I've gotten to the point where I've gotten creaky knees and dialed it down, but uh, I will I will bring the shoes and, and see if we can make it. I'm doing more, more riding lately than running, but uh, absolutely. And um, I think after April, um, you know, my 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 work keeps me on the road. Uh, pretty busy, primarily focused in the Americas, because um, that's the scope of, of my geo at this point in time. But um, you know, look. Uh, uh, yeah. Ping me on the Twitters, you know, if we if we need to support something or, or come visit you as a customer, you know, you know how to reach me and we'll go from there. Very cool. Well, thank you very much, Vaughn. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. This is uh, always great. Uh, you know, I, I love more and more opportunities to, to bring such a great, uh, great set of presenters to, to the audience. And thank you to everybody in the, uh, who's subscribing uh, and, and who's listening in and sharing. Uh, so again, if you want to follow us, we're at GC On Demand on Twitter. Of course, I'm at Disco Posse. You can find the podcast at gcondemand.io, which will give you the uh, list of shows, uh, presenters, and, uh, and topics and all the show notes from each episode. Uh, you can subscribe through iTunes and through Stitcher. Links are there. Uh, so make sure you let us know, you know, if there's stuff you want to hear, stuff you like, stuff you don't like, whatever it is, uh, we'd love to hear back. So uh, feel free to reach out on Twitter, drop me an email, go to the Green Circle community. Uh, you can find that at greencircle.vmturbo.com. Uh, thanks again, everybody. And, and thanks very much, Vaughn. And uh, I'll see you uh, at the summit at the very least. That sounds great. We will get together and give my best to uh, to uh, the family. Will do. Thanks. You're listening to the Disco Posse Podcast.